0: You are listening to a Geek Fallout production, in association with Network. <laughs>
1: Welcome to Geek Fallout Techno Babble, a Geek Fallout production podcast all about tech, where we talk about everything from video games, cell phones, to new NASA projects and Kickstarter projects. Uh, with me tonight, I have our Geek Fallout executive producer, Chris Gaida.
0: Hello, thank you for having me. Of Pretty course. excited to be on a newer podcast.
1: <laughs> yes, well, we are very new, definitely. And, um,. I would say, as always, but as this is only our second episode, joining us again is uh, Mike King. Mike, how's it going?
2: Pretty good. Glad to be back.
1: All right. Well, let's just jump right into this. And uh, Chris, why don't you start us off with some news?
0: Okay. Um, I My first item is actually going to be a bit older. Uh, it came out about a month ago that the Queensland University of Technology has created a bunch of robots – ...that are going to go out and fight starfish. I guess the (laughs) Crown of Thorns starfish... (laughs) What? You you betcha. (laughs) Uh, The Crown of Thorns starfish are actually causing a lot of damage to the Great Barrier Reef. And it's it's expected that they're actually responsible for about 40% of the destruction of the reef. Good lord. So they've created these little robots that are able to map out the reef... Take up to date photos and are equipped with up to uh, 200 uh, needles. And what they do is, once they have a positive ID on these starfish, they go in, attack, and give them a lethal injection. Oh my God. And <laughs> if
1: they give they, them a lethal injection?
0: And oh if they are not able to get a positive identification and they're not quite sure if it's the right type of starfish, they will send the data back to humans back at the university and they can sift through and give them, you know, the kill code or whatever it is and give them the go ahead to, yeah, go and, attack.
2: And they send a letter of apology to the starfishes family.
0: <laughs> well, something similar. Casualty of, casualty of war.
1: How big are these? Uh,
0: apparently they're pretty small. Um, it's just, They don't have a photo in here, Mm. but uh, it's got a little pneumatic arm, a few cameras, and five thrusters. Oh, and a little GPS unit.
1: So it's got to be at least the size of, like, say, a Coke glass at a restaurant or something.
0: Yeah, I'd imagine it would be. Oh, actually, it looks like the size of a scuba tank, basically.
1: Oh, a large scuba tank?
0: Uh, I was like a regular, students. a regular yeah, scuba like tank, a fire, like a fire hydrant type size, like fire
1: extinguisher, like yeah, yeah.
0: yeah sorry. Fire
1: okay. Extinguisher. Huh. That's now, pretty interesting. So, w- do you think it has enough lethal injection to be able to kill a human?
0: <sighs> I noticed. Well, I guess actually, you could. I mean, they do have two hundred of them. And that stuff builds up. Now, See? up to this point, all this. Uh, Fighting of the starfish has been done by scuba divers, but there's not enough of them to uh, basically patrol the entire reef. But now that they've got a robotic system in place, now they can deploy them 24 hours a day, and they plan on rolling out production and basically releasing a robotic army to patrol the reef. Man, that's pretty crazy. I
2: thought the I starfish. Think it's I thought they had enough trouble with the wasting disease they're going through but no apparently they're not dying fast enough
0: maybe they're just not pretty enough <laughs> We are humans and we don't like the ugly animals yeah, the So way-
2: I
1: I guess they they just leave the starfish there they kill them and leave them in the ocean for other things to eat and except that all the like the starfish now has poison in it yeah, so I sick. mean like yeah like I wonder if they've thought of like hopefully they've thought of the repercussions um on the ecosystem of the coral reef, you know, to do something like this, because if they're injecting all of these, I'm assuming, you know, hundreds, probably of starfish with the, uh, the lethal injections, you know, there's some sharks or whatever else eats, um, starfish that are going to eat those. And then they're going to have that in their system. And is that enough? Like, you know, secondhand poisoning, is that going to kill the sharks?
0: Well that's an interesting thought like I really considered it, but yeah, I guess it could
1: well wow. that's the things we think of on a real podcast Chris
0: <laughs> that would hurt me if I had any emotions left and I was dead inside
2: <laughs>
1: well that's that's um that's definitely uh quite the start to the show. We'll start off with a uh, mass um star side. <laughs>
2: But now they have this wasting disease, which I saw a picture of, it. and it basically like if David Cronenberg directed an episode of SpongeBob SquarePants, this is what Patrick would look like. <laughs> I
0: want that now.
1: Yes, I would like to see this exactly.
2: You can check sure. wiki- you can check Wikipedia. It's called Sea Star Wasting Disease and it was no, first discovered in 1972 78 2013 and uh they have no they have no identifiable no identifiable cause for the disease found yet wow but the starfish just break down and it's like sea star leprosy
1: sea star leprosy good god do they get liver spots too <laughs>
2: <laughs> they're already spotty so how can you tell
1: that's true that's true all right, well, uh, Mike, what about you? What do you got for us today?
2: I have an amazing discovery that will revolutionize anybody, any human with hair. Now it does, doesn't have a problem anymore. Thanks to a new innovation coming through the pipeline, I discovered a Kickstarter called the Scarp Laser Razor. And just like you think... Laser Razor. It's shaving with light. Now, the problem with other... Attempts at like lasers is that they either don't work on light light colored hair because they only target pigment now or if you have like dark skin and you try to go to a a laser epidermist, uh, uh, uh what's it called the epidermist? hair removers.
1: epidermist
2: no that's a skin thing uh well hair comes out
1: of your skin
2: well the per- the person that you go to to get the lasers on your hair to kill the root anyway if you have dark skin. That also absorbs the wavelength of light and causes burns so what this what this does is it targets a chromophore in the hair specifically so it doesn't cause any damage to the skin and it has no blades so there's no cutting no scratches no burn no infection no itching no irritation and it just breaks apart the hair at skin level with a light beam and the the environmental ramifications alone are phenomenal because I mean how many razors do you throw out a year?
0: Zero.
1: Yeah, zero. I use an electric razor.
2: <laughs> I don't <Well>, shave. Well, <laughs> well, lots of people do, and it amounts to about two billion razor heads just in the United States alone being thrown out. Now, they oh can't, yeah, for they, sure, and they can't be recycled because of, you know, hygiene issues and plus they're so tiny you have to break apart the plastic, it's just not worth the effort. So they're left to break down in landfills and garbage dumps. Now with this, there's no blade being thrown out, no reusable, like nothing being disposed of and no shaving cream and no water. So if you're traveling and water is a rare commodity, now you can shave nice and easy. And it has a fifty thousand hour projected lifespan, and I ran it through a calculator, and that's seven years
1: of of constant use.
2: Yep. And
1: so, and, uh, and that's how long the the laser component will last, or that's how long the battery will last.
2: Oh no, the battery is expected to last about a month, but uh, they have like they. Please told... don't
1: tell me it runs on a double A.
2: No, triple
1: A. Oh, well, Jesus, they were, really? They were,
2: t- they were torn between running it on a AAA or a rechargeable battery.
1: You got to do rechargeable these days. Well, like,
2: they said nobody that... Nobody
1: wants to get freaking batteries anymore. People like,
2: have complained that rechargeable batteries, like, they don't hold a charge after a certain amount of time. So oh, that's true. they considered both of these. So now they've got it so that you can put in a rechargeable battery or a AAA battery if you want. So you get the choice.
1: yeah. Yeah, I guess. Well, and you could you could yeah get like a you know Duracell rechargeable batteries or something because that's that's really the biggest issue other than how strong is the frame of this thing. Well, and is is the head adjustable? Because if the head is adjustable, you know, like because this isn't just going to be for men; it's it's going to be for women, and and you know, a lot of women use it on, and I guess men too, on different shaped parts.
2: Oh yeah, parts with nerves.
1: Yeah, you had lots of lots of curves and crevices and nooks and crannies.
2: Okay, well, I I think because it's not a blade, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to curve as much. Like you can just tilt it, and it's just a laser. So as long as the light hits the hair, it'll break it, and it doesn't burn it, so you won't get like a singed smell.
0: Hmm. See, I just wonder what the. how sensitive it is and how strong it is. Because it's all great being able to burn through hair, however, if you have something, some sort of abnormality, well, say a skin tag or a mole, which sometimes with a traditional razor sort of get over almost pressed down in advance by the shape of the razor, and the razor blades tend to miss those areas. Now, if you don't have that pressure pushing down, and you have the light hitting, will it actually start to cut, hmm. and you have to avoid those areas.
1: I didn't even think of that. Well, wow.
0: I figure since it's just light,
2: like, you can just tilt the razor, like, around it for dexterity, since you don't have to drag it. Like, as long as you bring it up close and just target it with the laser, it'll break apart the but hair. But it's
1: follicle. also, if if you watch the video that's on their, uh, on their Kickstarter page... They actually talk about how the laser is, you know, targeting a certain spectrum that is only like that's the spectrum that will cut hair. And that's pretty much the spectrum they're going for. So hopefully that spectrum isn't the exact same spectrum as something that would uh, cut off a skin tag or a mole or whatever. Mm -hmm. Although taking the hair out of a mole, trust me, would help a lot of people out there.
2: Well, that's what tweezers are for. But like, well, if you want to get, if you witches get
1: don't always have tweezers around. <laughs> okay, but uh, I, th- yeah, I, th- I think that that thing would be great. And as soon as you sent me that, I, I turned right around to my wife and told her that she had to buy me one the second it came out. Now, <laughs> you actually said that you backed this. Am I correct?
2: Yes, I did. I was a little late to the party, so all the single razor backing rewards were gone. Yeah, but I backed. So I had to back it for three hundred dollars to get two razors.
1: Three hundred? They had one eighty nine for two razors.
2: I don't see that here. I see
1: or that first, could well. That's probably be US one of the dollars. first
2: owners. Yeah, only see is anyway. like one eighty nine be the first owner of a scarp razor, and then three hundred be the first owner of two razors.
1: Oh, well, still, yeah, that's
2: plus. His does have a monogram. Well, yeah. they uh they are anodized metal and they'll be green for the uh, Kickstarter backers as an exclusive for, uh, and this wasn't like part of the reason I backed it. It was a stretch goal that was named after I had backed it. And uh, they decided, like, if they get $2 million, they're going to come up with a, uh, you're going to get a case that holds a rechargeable battery so that you'll never be out. It'll be a case for the Razor and holds a battery so you'll never be without. You'll have your entire shaving kit fitting in your pocket. And, yeah, that's really cool. And then if they made three million dollars, then they were going to give the uh, handles would be anodized metal green, so hmm. it, it wouldn't be plastic and it wouldn't like be painted metal where it chips off. It's anodized, and if you know anything about that, like the paint does not chip off, and it doesn't. Well, it's f-
1: in the it's in the the metal as they're molding it or whatever, right? Like it's basically yep. like adding food dye into a cake to change the color instead of having the cake that color because of the ingredients Yep, or putting frosting on it.
2: And I figured right? that this would be great for like third world countries or places that don't have like, that are going through droughts because now you don't need water to shave like the most vital component for the last 5,000 years. Now, as long as you've got like the sun and a solar charger, you can just basically keep this battery f- going and you can stay well groomed no matter where you are. And exactly. you, don't have to, you don't have to lug around creams or... Uh, uh, shave, like just the waste that it avoids makes it very environmentally helpful. You're not throwing out metal in dumpsters. You're not, w- you wasting water or buying, uh, shaving creams. So it's like, it's a little expensive in the beginning, but since it's the only thing you're going to be spending money on once for at least like 20 years, unless you shave like the friggin' wolf man. Then you should be pretty set and your carbon or whatever environmental waste footprint will be pretty, will be all the better for it. Yeah. So that's why I back this. And, uh, there's 11 days as of this recording and they asked for $160,000. They've already got 19,082 backers having, I mean, a total of 3.7 million.
1: Yeah, I saw that. That's pretty crazy.
2: I'm not the only one that thinks that we have a better world ahead of us if this goes through and they deliver what they promised. Now, the demo video so far, for uh, their reasons, they say they can't show uh, the laser in action because they haven't patented the wavelength yet and someone might take it. So they're trying to demonstrate ways that the hairs are being broken apart and it's kind of abysmal so far, but they're not demonstrating the actual razor. So if you check out the video, don't lose heart.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I really think that, like, I love Kickstarter. I haven't backed anything yet. I love the idea of it. And I really do feel that um a lot of different projects, whether it be music, movies, um, video games, technology, pretty much like a lot of different projects in the future will be done via... Crowdfunding because it won't become crowdfunding. It'll become, you know, like, why are companies going to waste all the R&D time, all of the resources to make and deliver a product and, and price it and blah, 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 if they're not even sure if there's a market? Whereas if you're putting something on Kickstarter, you, you know well in advance that there are people that are going to buy it, that are going to consume the, that medium or media or device or or use your product or whatever it is. So I think that um, it's going to, I think it's really going to be the wave of the future for, for companies, you know? So, but uh, anyway, speaking of um, environmentally friendly things that uh, can possibly save on water and electricity and um, all the other wonderful things that we are, you know, raping our planet for, Uh, I have recently seen an article, I believe this was from about two days ago, um, and this is basically, okay, so right now, you have two options pretty much for moving your house. We've all moved, Mike and Chris, I'm assuming you guys have moved a couple of times probably in your lifetime. I myself have moved probably about seven times in the past seven years, unfortunately. And every time, you know, it's a stressful unwanted thing nobody likes moving whether it's packing your own boxes getting a moving truck and doing it yourself paying somebody to come in and do it for you or getting one of those pods that they drop off on your front doorstep and you fill it up and they come and pick it up and bring it away
2: and destroying everything as you try to get it through your door frame, wondering how you got it in there in the first place
1: exactly so now um there is a project called casita that the professor of environmental science at the university of texas has come up with uh which they're hoping will debut in austin texas uh, this spring in 2016 and it's basically a modular living unit uh eco living unit uh it's a thousand square feet and basically what it is what it equates to is basically picture yourself playing um jenga Each one of those blocks, I know it's a weird, weird way to say it, but it's the first thing that came to my mind when I looked at it. But basically every time you take out a block, you can take it and you can put it in another Jenga. If you're really skilled, you can put it in another Jenga block. And that's essentially what this is, is you're taking your, your entire apartment, which is an enclosed cube made of steel glass and whatever else. Um, And what they're going to do is they're just going to pull your unit, your specific square out of the side of a building, and then they're going to take it to another building, another country, another, you know, state, province, city, town, whatever, and install it into a different building wherever you're moving to. You don't have to pack anything, and supposedly you don't have to move anything. I'll believe that when I see it or strap anything down. But basically the idea is that uh, I guess all of, all of the power – and and pipes and everything is all um, hooked up through, like, flex pipes, pretty much. So they click together when you insert it and, and lock it in there. It would all click in. And uh, so you've got this unit that can be moved anywhere, anytime, easily. And it says here that uh, every unit, uh, or at least of the first bunch, will come with a queen-sized bed that uh, comes out from under the kitchen, which is kind of weird. Um, a modular or modular or tiles all over the wall, uh, wall that can be removed uh, and have plugs behind them or wireless power. And the entire thing is uh, voice command capable. Uh, things like the windows, you will be able to talk to your eco unit, if that's what you want to call it, or talk to your casita uh, and basically say, I want privacy or, you know, like put the blinds down or whatever, and, and it's privacy glass. So it puts a charge into the glass and it becomes opaque, right? Uh, it will also dim, turn off, turn on lights for you uh, on a whim, as well as give you news updates as well. Uh, the future units that they're planning on doing will have uh, solar panels on the roof or on the windows, and they will store electricity in Tesla cell batteries for later usage and they will have a rainwater reusage apparatus. So basically, after the first few versions, when they come out with this, this is gonna be a self-contained apartment building with all of these interchangeable apartments that you can now move to other places. They're already working on um, buying up land at a couple of different places. Like I said, they're gonna start in Austin. And the best part of this is they say the price they're aiming for about half the price of market value, which for a thousand square foot studio apartment, which is basically what this is, it's just one giant room in Austin is around $600. So, I mean, Good I point. live in a house right now and it's only 1200 square feet, you know, put up a couple of freaking walls in there and 600 bucks a month. That'll save a ton of money. And you're not using any water eventually once it's rain. Right. Right. And if you don't have to pay electricity either, that's that's amazing, you know?
0: It's phenomenal. Um, the only Well, the good thing is it's a nice plan. The bad thing is unfortunately it's not going to work.
2: Oh, here we go. Here's the uh, well, Senate. No. Here's the flying ointment. Yeah.
1: Well, no. Yeah. This is this is why we didn't allow you on the podcast, Chris. That,
0: that makes sense. <laughs> I, I can't blame you on that. Um No when when it comes down to it, the biggest problem for a project like this, I mean, the entire incentive is for most people, it apparently, was the ability to be mobile and not have to move, right? The problem is you need to have everybody building in a similar sort of fashion to make it worthwhile. Standards. Unfortunately, hey. people are not that quick at adapting and will not, well, most likely will not be adapting to this standard themselves anyway.
1: Well, it's not even the people, right? It's the companies that would have to come up with exactly. a standard for a standard size, you know, like each building even if they were going to come up with say a 1000 square foot, you know, and a 1300 square foot and a 700 square foot one. So now each building now has to have three different styles of inserts and they don't have to for these standard. three different and they all have to have the same standard everything. And the exactly. company, if, if Apple and, and Microsoft and HTC and all these people can't agree on a standard for a charging cord, you're right. How are we going to you know, get a, a standard for a freaking apartment building?
0: And so you that, know the yeah. one spot I can think of that could actually make it work? Tokyo. China.
1: China. You think China over, over Japan with their pod hotels?
0: Japan would have the same problem where – well actually a slightly different problem where the distances wouldn't be that great plus they aren't doing nearly as much building anymore because the population isn't growing.
1: Well that However, I guess a 1000 square feet in Japan is three times the size that they want or need or yeah. use nowadays.
0: How many families are they fitting in? Yeah. yeah. But in China, seeing that they're still doing a lot of building and there is still a lot of governmental control, I could easily see them investing in such a project mm-hmm. and enforcing those building restrictions and making everybody conform to building in that you know
1: fashion. You know what would be interesting too actually, especially for China because they're – their economy is growing so quickly, their country, population, you know, buildings, everything is growing so quickly there. It would actually be interesting to see if uh, um, if they used these for um, government workers or some form of workers. So basically you take this 1,000 square foot home, quote unquote, modify it, you know, so that there's no kitchen or no bed or whatever, but have the same idea where it's a removable space and then put in you know, five workspaces in this area. Or, you know, like if they, if they make them, say, 100 square feet or, or a little less. Like if they make them much smaller, they could have little buildings where basically like, hey, you get promoted, they could take you out and literally bring your whole office to the other building, you know, to where your new
2: building is.
0: You're going to or the whatever. mother branch It does make sense from a safety and security perspective because I know, especially in North America, being worried about – uh Either environmental damage, or you know, uh, even possibly you know, terrorist damage, or something like that, fire damage, having entire workplaces shut down because one area of a building is destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, if something bad happens, let's say a major flood. If you had a case like this, you could actually pick up entire work units, move them, you know, across town to some other building and plug and play. Everybody's back at work just in a slightly different location.
2: Yeah, well, you'd think the
1: the skeleton structure for this, too, that these would all be plugged into would actually be a lot easier and quicker to build because you're not actually building any of the apartments yourself right? Like when a company is putting together the skeleton part of the building, the the part that holds it all, uh, they're basically, all they have to do is put in the support system uh, for all of these different building or all the different uh, inserts, apartments, offices, whatever you want to call it, and hook up, have all of the the wiring done. That's essentially all they have to do is foundation, support, and wiring. So you could essentially... Yeah. So something like this would actually be really useful for even like developing countries. You know what I mean? Like put something like this in Africa where, you know, like they're, they need more homes. Like sure, make it a little bit smaller, make the homes smaller, make them more affordable, you know, find a way to make it cheaper. But the idea itself of being able to build this skeleton building and then come in with, with apartments for people like think of how, how useful something like this would have been after like hurricane Sandy or, 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 like the, or Charlie yeah, or the Rwanda. tsunami, you know, like Tatsui or whatever, you know, like yeah. all these different horrible things. Relief they stations. could essentially, yeah, they could come in and build a, a a, ske- a a few skeletons and they could probably house people, even if it's just temporarily,
2: refugees. you know what I mean? To
1: have, a, yeah, refugees, anything like this is a brilliant idea at its heart. But I think Chris is kind of right is I don't think it would necessarily work for the masses. I think this is, this would be more of a either temporary, uh, at least not for the masses here in this, you know, the Western quote unquote part of the world, right? North America. But I think it would definitely work for more of emergency purposes and, and offices and stuff. So I think that's pretty interesting.
2: It would be great to demonstrate it with workplaces or, uh, you know, impoverished, nations, like villages, like displaced people, Assyrian evacuees and all that, by showing how effective it is there, then you could, like, then bring it closer to a a city and see, like, you know, just because it was good enough for refugees doesn't mean it's only for refugees. And, you know, by, like, asking them how they felt living in it, then, you know, you could, they could probably keep the place if these uh, frames are built closer to the city, then they can just move their pot and demonstrate firsthand the convenience Mm -hmm. of it. Of course, I was also thinking that if you ever wanted a penthouse, you just rent a forklift and there you go.
1: That'd probably have to be a little bit bigger than a penthouse, but...
2: No, no, you just take your house and put it on top of the stack and there you go, you got your penthouse.
1: (laughs) The stacks. It's not Ready Player One here, Mike.
2: (laughs) I was just just thinking, no stacks, you, although you,
1: that kind of does sound the way that it, it's going here, you actually. You take a room
2: from the
0: middle and you put it on top.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Chris, do you have another story for us?
0: Sure. Uh, today, the Canada's Department of National Defense made some pretty big news. They're actually looking to hire some consultants, and they want hackers. Specifically, they've got a contract going out for a couple hundred thousand dollars, And they want one or two people to come in and try to see if they can take over the computers on their new 2015 pickup trucks. Because of the concerns of computer hackers in the past taking over Tesla this year on the highway and taking over Jeeps and shutting them down on the road, Canada wants to make sure that their military vehicles are actually safe while overseas. Or while well, being deployed and they want to do some uh, tests and see if they can run and make their vehicles a little bit safer so they can't be taken over by, you know, people that want to do damage. So if you know anybody that, uh, has a little bit of a hacking experience, hey, here's a good chance for a good government job.
2: Right now I got I, I now I gotta learn how
0: to hack.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, this sounds a lot to me like, um, isn't there a, it's not really a con, but it's a, a, um, a convention, I guess, in the states, um, where they, all of these hackers go to and they, they hack different companies to, like, companies pay them to try and hack their newest software or something yeah, like that.
2: The, yes. They're called the white hats.
1: Yeah. So this kind of sounds a lot like, like Canada should just go to that. They should just bring the truck down there.
2: I guess CRTC We're, regulations demand that they have 60% Canadian hackers. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, part of the stipulations, too, are you have to use the d ds own software and computers in order to do your tests?
1: Wait, I get to play Dungeons & Dragons while doing this?
0: <laughs> Sweet.
1: <laughs> awesome.
2: I want to be holder. It,
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Never the beholder there's something that looks just like them and blows up you know filled with poisonous gas Those are nasty. well that's me after burrito
2: night but
1: all right, all right admiral what uh admiral all right captain
2: <laughs>
1: not the Navy all right captain what level is your is your truck is it an elf
2: <laughs> <laughs> he's got a level 35 Tesla with with cloak of shielding. Yeah. Let's see let's see what we can do about let's see if we can disenchant him. Rack attack, attack 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 and done. <laughs> now you've been nerfed.
1: That's crazy though. And they're offering these contracts out to people?
0: Yep. Yeah, everything right now it's uh, set to be run. I don't know which base I'm going to guess Valkarche in Quebec. And I think the contract runs for two hundred and five thousand dollars, but they're willing to upgrade. And you have to use their software and technology.
1: $205,000 for a single contract. That oh, is yeah. pretty insane. So I'm assuming uh, you being the technical wizard that you are, you're applying for this.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm easily qualified.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, after st- all I'll we just put- stroll
0: in there with my Blackberry and
1: yeah. After all we put you. Wait, <laughs> hey, did you-, you have a Blackberry?
0: Why wouldn't
2: I?
1: Get off the show.
2: <laughs> he's, just been, he's just going to walk in there like watch dogs and be like, okay, I have my phone. You're all my bitches.
1: <laughs> I, I got Q bitch. <laughs> I can't fuck with this. <laughs> and it's Canadian, so he's already got to jump up anyway.
0: There you go. Uh, as far as I know, that gives me street cred.
1: No, that's negative street cred having a BlackBerry. Unless you work for the government, in it, which case it's it's equal street cred.
2: Yeah, you've got like gravel road
0: cred. That's about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty much.
0: Okay. Well, seeing that I work for the government and I used to live on a gravel road, I'm okay with both of those things. <laughs>
2: Nailed it.
1: Perfect. All right. Well, um, as my uh, last uh, little news piece here, um, Sharp has teamed up with a uh, robot creator or um, a company. I'm not sure. It didn't really s- specify whether this was a company or a person, but uh, the robot creator, uh, Tamotaka Takahashi. Try not to uh, butcher that. And basically, this this project is called Robohan, and it's a cell phone buddy. I think that's actually what they should call it, the phone buddy. But it it's pretty much a little robot that is uh twenty centimeters tall or seven point eight seven inches for you uh Americans out there. Uh weighs about three hundred and ninety grams, again, thirteen point seven five ounces or three quarters of a pound. Um and it is Pretty much a cell phone inside of this little robot's body, which is running Android. Uh, it has a Snapdragon 400, uh, system on a chip processor, quad core one running at 1.2 gigahertz with a two inch QHD touch screen on the back to control the functions. Um, and it has LTE and can do calls, texting, email, reminders. Uh, it has a camera on one of its eyes and a peak. Uh, pico projector on its forehead and, and bait, like I, you guys watched this video i i, I sent it to you um
2: uh, yeah Mike, did. did you watch it yeah i did and when i first saw the guy pick up this little troll doll and put it up to his head walking down the street talking i'm just like there is no way like only in japan could someone walk huh. around with like that and not be pelted with tomatoes and and lettuce for, like, just Nerd. being a, a childish freak. Nerd! You're <laughs> such But as the video went on, it progressively got more, more useful.
1: Yeah. It, well, and it, because I guess it, it runs on Android, and I'm assuming they have a overlaid uh, artificial intelligence program on top of Android... Um, basically, in the video, not only does it do all of these things, but it actually seems to have a little bit of an intelligence where um, it can, the way it converses with you, maybe it's not intelligence, it's just a, um, a, a, a dictionary that helps it word things properly and the voice that it uses it sounds like this cute little robot and it, it kind of actually looks like a uh, robo sapien so it's which is a of... child's toy that you can buy at walmart but it's just much smaller but it, it it's in the in the um in the video it sits there and it reminds the guy like the alarm goes off and he's sleeping and it's like hey wake up you got to go surfing today and then he taps its head just like you would a normal alarm you tap the top of it and it stops um it was in it was at a party and it was dancing along with everybody I know that was everybody's favorite he, party he was just,
2: dancing better than the he was dancing better than the people oh I know I mean they're I, just they're just bouncing around with the red cuffs he's the such one busting on, acting he's the one busting out the fresh
1: oh yeah and like who has a party like that you know but who and, doesn't and, and well
2: hey, us, in Japan, I guess. In Japan, that's what they call a rager.
1: Yeah, that that's a rave right there. <laughs> but basically, like, you know, when he's dancing, he can do little dance moves and he can bend over because I guess his legs can, can bend uh, or can move and his arms can move. He can sit up, sit down. He can, uh, if you put him face down, he can get up to a standing position and vice versa. I guess from what it looks like in the video, he can find his own chair which seems to be his charging device. It has a speaker phone, it can project maps onto a wall or onto any surface to show you different maps, it can show you pictures. Um and it's pretty pretty freaking awesome and quirky and only in Japan really. But I mean, I I really think cuz I was talking about this with my wife actually and she made she brought up a very good point that um something like this probably would have done really really well. Five to ten years ago.
2: If that's what the Furby actually delivered, it would have taken off and it would still be around.
1: Exactly. Well, and I mean this goes back to the whole IBO thing that I was mentioning in a way last week because that's what it kind of looks like. The 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 hardware for it, the external parts of it. Like it, it's a little chunky. You know what I mean?
0: Well, so. that's the thing. There's two major problems with it. Yes, it's cute enough, and it seems like a neat little novelty item. It that could actually it be kind I of It said, I love indie. you. It said, I love you, Chris. Well, that's the thing. There's <laughs> two one. little problems. One, nobody dance. really wants a robot wrapped around their face. Speak for yourself. And, <laughs> all, right, all right. And the next thing, I mean, that video was disturbing because, you know, which guy uses white electronics?
2: And who the, and who like, taps no. their alarm clock instead of just swatting it off the table? Um.
1: I, well, since my alarm clock is my phone, I definitely don't do that.
2: Oh yeah. Well, I, I'm speaking from the age where we still used clocks.
1: Well, like that's physical true. clocks. Yeah, but I think that I, I think this thing is right in the, in the middle of where it could be great. Like where the idea is amazing, but the hardware and software aren't quite there yet. In a way, like if this you know came out a couple of years from now where the the servo motors could be much smaller the plastics uh that the body itself is made up of could be much stronger thinner lighter uh and molded to be smaller if he could say if he was even that tall or a little bit smaller but say he could scrunch up to into a fetal position and only be you know the size of a deck of cards or something like a little mini transformer, basically. Oh
2: yeah. Like fold up and compartmentalize, but the biggest biggest thing that this thing needs is to like,
1: no, Sonic wave, Sonic wave,
2: (laughs) sound wave,
1: sound wave. That's it. Sound wave. Gate card revoked.
2: The biggest thing he needs is to become a case so that you can put your own phone into it rather than just rely on whatever phone that Ooh, is, like Apple, HTC, Motorola. If you can put your own phone in this case, then it can become your Apple buddy, Samsung like you buddy your Samsung
1: buddy, your HTC buddy. So, like, say where the screen is on the back of it, you take that off and take all the hardware out of it aside from the servos and stuff. You download an app and you slide your phone into a connecting dock it, in its back.
2: And have a battery in its back or it's bum or whatever so that not only does it like keep your phone doing all these awesome things but it also keeps it charged as well Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. like there's potential for this but being japan i think they're gonna go for the silly rather than the
0: practical
1: but you never know somebody could take this idea and and make it a lot better because the whole you know phone docking into things is kind of taking off look at asus they've now come up with i think they're on their third or fourth pad phone which is basically um, you get a phone and a tablet shell, pretty much, and when you want to, you you say when you get home from work or when you get to work, depending on what you need and where you use what device, you take your phone out of your pocket, you slip it into the back of the tablet, and it now turns your phone into a tablet. It's basically a larger screen with it just adds, you know, a few more ports, a bigger screen, uh much more battery life that sort of stuff right yeah, so, so it's giving you a different um, different features but using your own device and i think that, that that crave or that craze is actually going to be coming soon oh, where basically yeah. the phone is just going to be your everything you're just going to take your phone out you know like there's it's going back to like the what was it the Motorola Atrix i think it was that had a laptop dock
2: It'll that you could take your
1: phone way. and you would put it in the front of the laptop and it would power the laptop itself. The laptop itself was just an empty one pound shell, you know? So your phone is literally going to start becoming everything. Look at uh, the Microsoft Surface, um, the Microsoft uh, keynote they just did. Uh, I think it was about a week ago where they announced the new Lumia phones. And um, basically the new Lumia 950 and 950 XL, though I haven't, read a lot about them but the gist of what i understand is they're coming out with something called the display dock or something like that where basically you hook this up to a tv and it takes your windows 10 powered phone and turns your tv into a windows 10 computer so any any screen that you hook this up to you can hook up a wireless bluetooth keyboard and mouse to your phone and now you have Probably not a very powerful, but a full Windows Ten experience on any on any screen that you want with the device that you have all your contacts, your phone calls, everything, your emails everything is on your phone now you're just sliding it into a dock. boom, there you go
2: well, the, the real future is like finding ways to remove exclusivity so that you can access your phone and tap it like for the elderly like they're too shaky or their vision's not so good, so a phone is just too small for them. But if you take that phone, put it in a tablet, now it's something that they can, you know, see and interact with better. So, again, like working with that little robot thing, like like making things more compatible rather than an exclusive is really like the right way for the future to go.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I think that, uh, you know, technology like this is definitely going to keep, obviously it's going to keep evolving, but I mean, we're going to start seeing a lot more of it. I mean, the the... RoboHAN is definitely not the first device to kind of take more of a AI spin to it. I mean, there's been a number of projects that I've actually mentioned on uh, ye old geek Fallout po- podcast. Um, you know, there are a couple of Kickstarter's and IndieGoGo projects, which were, I believe, the two that I can think off uh, think of off the top of my head were both Android powered, and they're little blocks that you. You know, plug into your router and they basically take over all the devices in your house, you know. So on your phone, you have this artificial uh, assistant that has access to every screen and every device in your house and information from everywhere at any time. And it's also quote unquote a friend, you know what I mean, and can have conversations with you. That That is really becoming a big thing now and it's only a matter of time until Skynet gets here. So, you know, (laughs) listeners beware.
2: One more thing that robot friend, like, as the AI becomes like, like, hopefully the AI becomes like a little more, it seems like it's more reacting to just like instructions rather than, you know, being aware of its environment. But I can definitely see why Japan would benefit from this because they have like such a high suicide rate. So having this little robot along would be like, would be, like, a, very, a really helpful version of Clippy. Like, it looks like you're <sighs> trying to kill yourself. Should I, I call really... for help? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my, oh, my God. No, Clippy makes me want to kill myself.
2: It's the I Jap- hate Clippy. It's the, it's the Japanese don't ever
1: Clippy. mention Clippy again. Jesus Christ.
2: <laughs> but, but, but yeah, it'd be, like, if it sees, like, I don't know, if it's li- really listening to your calls and your girlfriend breaks up with you, It like it would give you, like, a little Japanese affirmation, like, Life goes on. As long as you keep living, you'll be okay. Like, you know, just keeping you from going into that suicide forest. (laughs) You know they have them, right? The Akikahara Forest. It's it's littered with signs like saying you have reasons to live, reconsider, talk to a friend. And they actually have, like, robbers going in there to loot the corpses. So if this little robot can just affirm, like, if it checks your Facebook status and sees that you're no longer in a relationship... Then it will just be like, "Hey, perk up, okay? I'm here for you." And if I see you go and if it uses the GPS and sees you're going to the forest, and it just calls nine one one and be like, "Hey, can you keep a lookout for this guy? Just to you know, make sure he sees the day. Thanks."
1: Well, one of the one of the projects that I saw on Kickstarter actually did have a moment like that in the um, in the video. Go on. Uh, basically, it had uh, it showed this this woman who is waiting for her boyfriend or something in the rain, and she was, you know, sad that he was late, and oh, boo-hoo, even, you know, woe is me, whatever. Uh, but basically, she turned on her phone and was like, let's call it Alice, you know, whatever. So she was like, hey, Alice, and the robot was like, hello, how are you? And she was like, oh, I'm a little sad or whatever, and it was like, okay, you know, how about these pictures of, of you and your your boyfriend to cheer you up? And it started showing her pictures of her boyfriend and stuff. And she's sitting there crying and stuff. So, <laughs> you know, it's a Kickstarter video. A, so really, a, what do you do? It's a, new, but...
2: it's a work in progress. Okay. Yeah, so, exactly. There's some bugs to work up. They're trying yeah. to understand us. The robots are just here to help until they realize we're the problem and then try to get rid of us.
1: Yeah, exactly. But it's 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 pretty interesting. The, the artificial intelligence, you know, used to just be something you saw on star trek or or in doctor who or in any number of sci-fi and fantasy films movies television like whatever comic book anything right and now it's it's really starting to become a reality and it's uh it's pretty interesting especially because a lot of these devices like some of the kickstarter ones i was looking at they started at like $500 $300 $400 for these artificial intelligence things that you can have in your house assistance i guess and uh it's pretty interesting that uh, this is the world that uh, we are living in now you know tech is certainly something that just never stops and that is why we are here so uh with that being said i think actually that is uh, the end of this show we were having a a short show today just a couple of quick news topics and um, with that being said, uh, Chris, where can we find you on the internet?
0: You can find me alias Ego on Twitter, Chris Guida on Facebook. Um, highly interactive. If anybody wants to message or just generally harass me, and weekly on the main Geek Follow show.
1: All right, that's uh, that's wonderful. Excellent, excellent. Uh, Mike, where can people find you on the internet?
2: Uh, i on Twitter, at KingMrStress, that's M-R-Stress, and Facebook, uh Mike King, just find the Ottawa Mike King, Uh not the Kiwi comic Mike King, he's a little bit more established than I am, but uh I'll catch up to him, I'll, it, like, I figure in about five years it'll be like Highlander, where I'll just be good enough to face him and then there'll be only one Mike King.
1: <laughs> there can only be one
2: how do
0: i find the other guy again i'm going to add him now <laughs> my king but the... he sounds awesome
2: <laughs> one day
1: all right well uh if uh if people want to find me which i don't know why you would want to because i'm never on the internet you can find me at uh Rich 613 on Twitter, R-I-C-H-E 613 on Twitter. You can find me on Technobabble on a weekly, bi-weekly um, time frame, whatever we decide we're going to do pretty much. And um, ever so occasionally on the Geek Fallout podcast and some of the other um, productions, you will soon be able to hear Uh, Actually, the first episode of Random Nerdness Season 3 was just released uh, recently uh, by Chris Lockhart. Uh, It's just a solo effort by him for the first episode, talking about the new fall upcoming season. Uh, It was a really interesting listen. I listened to it at work the other day. um, And I must say, I've got a a few words for Mr. Chris, especially uh, concerning um, one of the the television shows he was talking about. The name is... uh, escaping me right now uh blacklisted or something the one about uh lady sif and uh she's got tattoos all over her, wakes up in in uh new york city with all these tattoos that solve crimes pretty much person of interest but with tattoos instead of a computer but i thought it was pretty good
2: so it's like prison break but with amnesia
1: yeah uh, I've never really seen Prison Break. Is that something I should have seen?
2: Uh, Prison Break, Guy goes to prison, and he's completely covered in tattoos. And every tattoo is a uh, facet of his plan. Like someone he has to make contact with, their name will be hidden in a deck of cards. And basically, huh. he spends the first, the entire season, you discover each tattoo is like a person he has to contact with or bring into his plan or a layout, like one tattoo which looks like a, uh, a stained glass window of a church is actually just a layout of the, uh, the crawl spaces in the prison.
1: Hmm. And, pretty, it, yeah, it does sound very similar.
2: Well, he gets himself arrested to break his brother out who's been wrongfully convicted. Hmm. And, uh, it lasted four seasons, I believe. It was pretty good. Had Wentworth Miller and Dominic, uh, I forget the, Dominic Purcell. And they teamed up to appear in the Flash episodes as uh, Pyro and Captain Cold. Huh. So they had a neat little reunion there.
1: That's pretty cool. Nice. Well, uh, I might have to go and check oh, that out. But it, uh, Have
2: you ever seen the show Grimm?
1: Yes. Oh, of course. Grimm the, guy that,
2: the guy that plays Monroe is yep. in Prison Break. As, oh, uh, I love that as a, as a guy called Haywire.
1: I so, love that guy.
2: Yeah. So He's if, you, if you like Monroe, but you wanted to see him a little more unhinged, check out Prison Break.
1: Well, if you like Chris Lockhart and you want to hear him more alone, check out Random Nerdness Season 3, Episode 1 on our main feed at uh, Geek Fallout. And uh, that will be it for this week. So thank you, listeners, for joining us for another episode of Tech Talk at Geek Fallout Techno Babble. And we will see you next time.
2: Incoming call from
1: Metro. No, no,
2: no,
0: no, it.